This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. Ten-five victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Star. Star. Welcome Star. to the Love Star. of the Star podcast. If we're recording this time... Peyton Russell was not our dear producer the very first time we started. Um, so hopefully, hopefully you can hear us now. Uh, I, I don't know about that. We'll have to double check with Peyton later. I'm Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. Joined, as always, by Brian Broaddus, former Super Bowl winning NFL scout. He's now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation, 2 to 7 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday on 105.3 The Fan, as well as the pre- and post-game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys radio network. Uh, Brian, how are you? Today? Can you can you hear me? Did Peyton have that right? Can he hear? Can we hear each other? I, I've got you loud and clear, Robert. I, I think you know we had that uh, that sounder music go off, so I think we're okay for this one. I think we're ready. I, to I go. think so. Too. Yeah. And to be completely honest, I, I want to make it clear just so nobody thinks I'm bullying our poor our poor producer Peyton. Uh, he literally just hit forgot to hit record the first time we played the show up, and it delayed us by about 15 seconds, but I just trolling him now. Uh, Brian, got a couple different things I want to dive into with you today. Uh, I got to be honest. When I was thinking about stuff that we could chat about today, the Houston Texans were not top of mind. We already talked about them once, and uh, I feel like that's more than enough. How much more can you say about this bad football team? Um, and, and look, if we're being honest, the Cowboys, in my opinion, could have an off day and still potentially cover that 17 and a half point spread, Brian. So uh, there's a talent disparity on Sunday. I think we both agree Cowboys should get the W regardless of, of how well they play. It, it would take a, a massive meltdown, I think, for the Cowboys to lose this game against the Texans. So a couple things that I want to dive into. The, the first one is this. We see this Dallas Cowboys football team really reaching a, a you know, the, the upper echelon of, of this current NFL and the way that they've played this year. Um, the way that even when things don't go totally right for them, they still tend to really control ball games and really beat down opponents. Uh, since Dak Prescott returned, their point differential is plus 115. The next best in the NFL is uh, during that time is San Francisco at 59. So Dallas has really been dominating football teams over the last several weeks. And so it leads me to this question. We know what's going right with this Cowboys team. 
what are we still concerned about? What down the stretch as the Cowboys finish out, uh, you know, their pursuit of the NFC's title, which still feels like Philly's in the driver's seat there. It's going to be tough, I think, to, to take control of that given the rest of Philly's schedule. But uh, whether it's for the NFC's title or not, once you get into the playoffs, uh, you know, there are going to be some things that we'll, we'll be talking about. Last year, the big concern it felt like was the physicality and the toughness when you entered the playoffs was, are, are you built for this type of football? And, and is Dak playing at his highest level? Uh, so, Brian, as we enter this home stretch here, let's talk about some of the things that we still have concerns about or, or still feel like need to be answered. What is number one top of mind for you about this football team uh, with, you know, uh, whatever it is, five games remaining? I think they've uh, got away with uh, having turnovers. I think they've got away with, uh, at times, you know, with Dak Prescott and the interceptions that he's had. You're right, Bobby. Dak has been has played very, very well. And just imagine how much differently we would think about it. And I'm not trying to be a Dak hater here. I'm going to give you several other reasons why. Uh, you know, I feel that there's things that, that you need to be concerned about this football team since you asked. You should be concerned about one or two interceptions a game, especially against teams that will punish you for turning over the ball. Those uh, those turnovers, some of them have been going in, you know, uh, right before the half, you know, uh, opportunities that whether you could have kicked a field goal, whether you could have scored a touchdown. You know, you just – I don't think you could go through these games – and continue to turn the ball over and just, you know, I, I understand Dak being aggressive and I appreciate that, but I, I think that they have to be very mindful of possessions are so important in big games like the Eagles game. You know, the Eagles beat you because you turned the ball over three times in that game. You know, you rallied back, but still it was the, you know, and then you gave up a very long drive where they just ran the football uh, on you. But I, I think against a really good team, you can't have those turnovers, whether it's Dak throwing an interception or some type of a fumble. They, they put the ball on the ground quite a bit the other night in that football game. They, they can't afford yeah. the turnovers. You know, you used to talk about the penalties. I don't think the penalties are going to change because I think the officials, I think the officials are going to call what they want to call. And are you, uh, uh, are you capable of overcoming those? Uh, you know, the, the, the pre-snap penalties and all that did a great job last week uh, against the Colts. But these officials, and I've said it here a bunch, they are going to call penalties regardless. And hopefully uh, you're not on the wrong end of that. But the turnovers, the penalties, I think there's some, some concern at what's going to happen at cornerback now, you know, with uh, Kelvin Joseph. I, I think that teams say, Run the ball at Diggs, throw the ball at who was ever playing on the other side, you know, and that's that's reality right now. Uh, you know, can Kelvin Joseph find a way to play at a level where uh, that Dan Quinn and Mike McCarthy in this front office felt like that he was when he was drafted? You know, he didn't play a lot of games at LSU, didn't play a lot of games at Kentucky. They're throwing him out there. He's a very talented guy. Don't get me wrong. But there's some concern, you know, at least these first couple of games, you can kind of figure some things out. The Texans are decimated right now, uh, you know, when you look at their football team and and how he's going to have to cover. You know, uh, Philip Dorsett, probably the primary receiver in this in this game, and maybe the tight ends, we'll see. But, I, I 
I kind of feel like there's a concern there. And my final concern is um, we think that Tyron Smith is going to be fine at left tackle. Yep. Is he, are you gambling right now with a team that's done a pretty good job with the front, with the five guys they have? Are you going to uh, hurt the operation of the offensive line by putting Tyron Smith in there and moving Tyler Smith, the guard, or potentially taking uh, uh, Connor McGovern out, you know, when he's playing well, I, I think these are all legitimate concerns uh, when you look at this football team. Let's uh, let's touch specifically on the cornerback thing because I think for me that's probably top of mind is because we saw even before Anthony Brown went out that you had teams that don't even throw the football down the field very well. Indianapolis, New York were really testing Anthony Brown and having success with it. Um, you know, I think you've seen at times teams have tested Kelvin Joseph when he's had to step in there and play. And so that's a concern in and of itself. But you know, we talked a little bit the other day about Kelvin Joseph's illness and and him missing practice. You know, Jerry Jones was was mostly positive about Kelvin Joseph on Tuesday when he he spoke with us at 105 through the fan. When he talked to us uh, again today over at the the KNC masterpiece with uh, you know Corey Majors, Kevin Hagelin, and Mike Bassick, uh, he was asked about Kelvin Joseph today, and this is what Jerry had to say: "Time for him to become a man, accept a higher level of responsibility. He's got more people depending on him. It's time for some of the side stuff to ease its way out of his life." Seemed like a different tone to me, and I think that maybe lends some credence to they. I, I think they were I, I think there was maybe a little more to that missed practice on Wednesday than just, oh, you know, he's 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 got, you know, a bug or something like that. And I think it's interesting that he went from did not practice to full participant on Thursday. Yeah, it makes you wonder, did he miss a practice? You know? Did he um and again, this is all speculation, but did he miss a practice? Uh was he hung over and couldn't practice? Did he oversleep? They tell him just to go home. You know, I mean, all these things kind of run through your mind when you're starting to talk about Kelvin Joseph. But, you know, I, my hope is because he he went out of the game, uh, you know, he, he left at the Minnesota game, right, because of an illness, didn't play against the Giants. So, you know, I, I think what Jerry's trying to say is that, there's a lot of things in Kelvin Joseph's life to him, maybe early in his career, that was that were more important than playing football. And, you know, Jerry wants him now that he's a starter to make sure that football is the number one priority in his in his life. It's his number one job. Uh, not being a rapper, not hanging out with all his buddies. I, I'm not trying to be the wet blanket guy here. I'm just telling you that there's some things when you get that starting job. And, you know, we interview Tank Lawrence every uh, Thursday. He talks about diet and rest and availability and all these things. You know, when you become a starter, uh, it is a it really is a 24-7 job, you know, to take care of yourself, learn your assignments, practice hard, eat right, rest, and be ready to go. You, you can go and hang out with your buddies when this is all said and done. You know, but right now we need you to focus on your job. And um, like I say, maybe we need to figure out what was going on on Wednesday. 
did we miss a practice? Did we do something we weren't supposed to do? And uh, we just had to call it an illness. Has he used up all of his his capital? Do you think with the, in terms of all his goodwill capital with the franchise, and, and that it's like, look, any sort of off the field incident after this, we're not going to tolerate. That seemed like Jerry was kind of drawing a line in the sand and said, "Time to grow up. No more issues." Yeah, I, I think so. Um, as far as used up, you know, he is a super talented player. When you watch him cover, when you watch him run, when you watch him compete, the stuff on the special teams I think has been really good. I think it's elevated his game. I think it's going to help him, you know, getting ready to to come forward, make tackles, be in position. You know, I I think all those things uh, are going to help him, all the experiences that he has had so far. But when you look overall, uh, yeah, they, 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 even though, uh, you know, the charges weren't filed against him, uh, you know, but he, you know, I know my sources at LSU, my sources at Kentucky, I've said this before, I said on the draft show for with uh, DallasCowboys.com that when he was playing, it was, hey, trouble, he's not a bad kid, but trouble is always within arm's distance of him. And mm-hmm. I, 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 they they have got to the point now where they they they've they've put a lot into him. They really have. They backed him on things. You know that whole thing that went down. Uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, during the off season. You know, the involvement and all that, or yeah. wrong wrong place, wrong time. You know, the Cowboys very easily could have cut ties, and then everybody in the league would have probably cut ties, and you know he would be looking for work in the USFL or the XFL right now. And it would have been, Oh, well that was a wasted second round pick. But when things came back, well, okay, this is how it happened. This is how it went down. Well, you know, the Cowboys are like, listen, you've got to find a way to, to hold your end up of the bargain. And if Kelvin Joseph goes out there and flops around and doesn't play well, and there's still questions that Jerry Jones has to, or comments that Jerry Jones has to make, we will see a change at corner. They will put somebody in there that can play that they know they can rely on, but they're going to give this kid a chance. And you know what? I'm all for giving this kid a chance because I think he can play. If, if he gets experience, I really do. You know, it's, it's funny. I had uh, I had somebody once tell me years ago, I don't know if this is still applicable. I don't know if this is, you know, something that still goes on today, but I had somebody tell me that years ago, the NBA, uh, there were certain teams that would use the, the injury designation as a back issue. That yeah. when you hear back issue, that was oftentimes code for hungover or, or problem. Just there's yeah. a, Oh, I got there's, you. Yeah, yeah. 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 There's strife. There's a hangover. There's, yeah. you know, coaches pissed off at this guy, whatever else that that was. A code house. For. Yeah. For, for you, did you ever experience it, whether for yourself or, or for other teams that you knew of in the league? Did you ever know of teams that would use like certain designations on a report that went that meant, hey, this doesn't necessarily mean that's it? That that absolutely could mean there was other issues. Was illness ever that one or anything like that? Illness was always the one that we because you know nobody's going to question an illness. You know nowadays, especially with what we dealt with with the COVID situation. You know that's the thing you hope right now that if a player gets sick, you hope it's that you know it's just the flu. And I, I know people suffer from the flu and it's tough, but that COVID thing. I mean that was. 
that COVID and trying to get back and all that stuff like that. We saw what that COVID did to Tyron Smith as far as him playing. You know, yeah. that that was that wasn't good. So Micah, yeah, Micah didn't play great off Micah, of COVID. Micah didn't play good off COVID either. So yeah, uh never remember telling anybody uh like, oh yeah, this guy's got the flu. You know, that was kind of what we did. We said, Oh, he's got the flu, but he might be hungover or something like that. Just kind of buy us some time. You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. All right, Brian, let's talk about the reality. The reality of fulfilling all your dreams by going to Boomer Jacks, especially on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. You know, we love telling you about our wonderful partner here at Love the Star, Boomer Jacks. And on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, they have wing lovers hooked up. Tuesdays are half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings. But they've got great deals the rest of the days as well. They have $3 drink specials, $15 buckets of beers. And that that beer is the coldest beer you can find anywhere in the Metroplex. Wall-to-wall TVs, live music. Perfect atmosphere for, you know, happy hour, watching the game, taking your family somewhere. Boomer Jacks has everything that you need. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, uh, I want to jump into uh, something. You, you kind of referenced the Tyron Smith return, which we, we believe will be next Sunday against Jacksonville, not this weekend. Uh, I know we talked a little bit about Tyron earlier this week. Uh, but two guys that they're getting back, it appears, in the next week or two, uh, Tyron Smith at tackle and James Washington at wide receiver. I want to kind of discuss what we might be able to realistically expect from both of those guys. I was somebody who was 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 pretty bullish on uh, James Washington being able to have a a better showing here in Dallas than he had in Pittsburgh. Um, Pittsburgh really didn't push the ball downfield much. And that was kind of James Washington's game coming out of Oklahoma State. He was a, a you know seven eight nine guy on the route tree. He was uh, a guy who his second year here in the NFL produced pretty well and had like fifteen yards a catch and was somebody who could test teams vertically. Everything was sort of underneath the last couple of years in Pittsburgh. It was a, a conservative offense, largely due to the quarterback they had and where Ben Roethlisberger was at in his career. And uh, even on some of that stuff that was underneath, his catch percentage was awful his last year in Pittsburgh. But uh, the the catchable balls, the uh, that that percentage catches versus catchable balls, which is a stat that Sports Info Solutions keeps. Out of his like forty targets, I think they said twenty three of them were catchable, and he had twenty catches or something. And so we're talking about a guy who who 
generally performed pretty well when the ball was in his area. And so I had some optimism that he was going to be able to click with Dak Prescott. That ended early in training camp with the broken foot. Um, but he's a guy who seems to, to be ready to, to come back and play now. And with Noah Brown kind of quieting a little bit as we've entered the second half of the season, he hasn't produced at the same level that he was earlier. Part of that's opportunity. Part of that's he's just he hasn't made some of the same big plays. Um, do you think James Washington has a legitimate chance to step in as the three and and try and contribute and and actually be a player of value for the Cowboys down the stretch? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about his situation, though. Ben Roethlisberger became washed in Pittsburgh. The ball wasn't going down the field. It wasn't accurate. The offensive line was bad. Yeah, they moved on from James Washington. And before that, James Washington was a down-the-field threat. Talking to people at the Star on uh, Friday, uh, I was under the impression that James Washington coming back in the lineup, maybe expect the ball going back down the field to him. You know, we'll see. He's, you know, he's coming off that that foot injury. We were standing right there, uh, you know, watching the practice when he got tangled. Right, it was right in front of us. We were right standing right on break it. Right in front of us. They got tangled up and it was broke. But you remember before that, he wasn't practicing during OTAs. He wasn't practicing during minicamp. So yep. this is like the first real exposure that we've had of him when it comes to uh, what he might do. But again, I was talking to some folks at the star that were saying, listen, expect him to play, but expect us uh, being the Cowboys to take some shots down the field. Uh, he's ready for that. Uh, he's practiced well. They felt like that. Everything about the foot is fine and ready to go. And but uh, you know we'll see because uh, they have yet to really throw the ball down the field or take any shots down the field. I think they're a little nervous about doing that with Michael Gallup because of the knee situation. So we'll see. Uh, you know we'll see. But if in fact that it holds true that the whispers are saying that Washington could be a downfield threat against the Texans this weekend. Do you think that would be just an instance of? baptism by fire like hey let's see what he has now let's not let's not walk him into this let's not hold his hand like we need to find out now what he can do let's get these reps out of the way we've got houston and jacksonville two teams we believe we can beat regardless of if james washington plays or not so let's not play any games let's see what we can do so that we know here coming into philly and some of these tougher games down the stretch we know if he can be a, a serious contributor for us yeah i think so i think it's you know, you're looking at a situation where he's been ready for a long time. He's, you know, they, they, that you, you brought it up. Uh, I had people say, nah, the Odell Beckham and, you know, that whole thing, it, it wasn't tied together, but I kind of felt like they didn't want to make two roster moves for a wide receiver. I think they wanted to keep, you know, one of the, they've been playing with 52 guys now for a little bit, you know, with the anticipation of, do you hold the spot for Odell Beckham or you're holding the spot for Tyron Smith? But now, you know, with Brown being out, they've got they're gonna have two roster spots that they're gonna be able to fill, Tyron Smith being one and then James Washington the other. So yeah, I, I you know, let's see what you got. You know, there, there's uh this is a good opportunity between the games here, like you said, with the Texans and then with the Jaguars, and then you can kind of map your game plan and plan for what you're gonna do against Philadelphia. The other guy that we've, of course, talked a lot about is Tyron Smith. There's there's the question of, and look, we talked about it a lot this offseason. 
the Cowboys were concerned with the San Francisco performance because they they had a question of, all right, was this just COVID? Was this coming off of the COVID thing for Tyron? Or is there a bigger issue at play here? Was was this the, the beginning of an aggressive decline? And he hadn't played great the week before that either. Uh, then we get into training camp. It didn't always look good. Um, he had some more more off days in camp than I can remember seeing him have in other years. Times where Dorrance Armstrong would beat him two, three, four times during a practice. Um, what in general is your expectation for Tyron? And, and given your expectation, how confident are you in that expectation? Well, I, I to the point where, again, talking to people who were watching practice, and we had the opportunity to see him come off the ball initially. I saw the knee bend, the body balance. I saw everything. I mean, he physically looks even more impressive than he was in the summertime. I'm talking about physically. Uh, McCarthy was joking about the knee braces he wears, his elbow braces aren't fitting him because his biceps are too big. Uh, <laughs> we were talking to Tank Lawrence about, you know, coming off the ball and, you know, and really getting into it. I heard that him and Pat McKinley got in it into each other at practice uh, pretty well. They had six, seven reps in a row where they were both just kind of banging into each other and trying one trying to control, one trying to move. And so, yeah, it, it, everything about it seems uh, ready to go. They want to get him that padded practice. They'll likely come next week uh, getting ready for Jacksonville. But my expectations are of, of, of Tyron. I think he's. I think he's confident about the the, the hamstring and or you know in, in the situation where it's at. Uh, you know, by coming off the football, getting into guys, uh, I, I see it as being a, a really really positive thing. The questions I'm going to have is how much are they going to play him initially? Are you going to see him and Jason Peters like switch out uh, maybe next week in the Jacksonville game, or 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 and with also with the guards switching out and then once you get a gauge of him getting that that game getting those game reps game shape then you could throw on full full on throw him out there for the Philadelphia game and not worry about him whether he plays 65 snaps or 75 snaps that he'll be ready to go once he gets this game under his belt if you've got Tyron Smith coming back next week against Jacksonville that's obviously you know, gonna there's going to be a competition at guard or, or maybe they settle on one guy. Maybe they keep up a rotation. Maybe they're just kind of, you know, going back and forth between, you know, Tyler Smith and Connor McGovern, their guard. But would you take the opportunity, given that McGovern has played guard all season, would you take this weekend as an opportunity to say, let's start Jason Peters at left tackle, play Tyler Smith at left guard, and just give him all of the reps for the game and, and get him ready so that if we choose to go that direction, he's got a full game under his belt going into Jacksonville at left guard. I really like that. I like that question. I think it's an outside the box question. Uh, I, I, me personally, um, I kind of like that. Could you, could you get same thing if somehow you start him at start him at tackle, and then by halftime maybe you've built a little bit of a lead. You know, maybe it's one of those games where they're not going to come back. And then you shift, you put Peters out there at left tackle, kick Tyler Smith in the guard, and then give McGovern uh, a little bit of a break. Or you can rotate the two guys if you want. Is that asking too much? Because I, I like your idea, but I also 
I I want to make sure that I secure the game with my starters before you know I I try and do some moving around and stuff like that. I mean, it's interesting. Would you though? Would you potentially look at it as okay if you didn't if you didn't put Tyler Smith in right from the jump and you wait until there's a block? Are are you are you getting a a real look at him and and what he can do? Well, like, like, he's like, like, like yeah. you're getting in a game that's kind of in the bag already. Whereas, like, if you get up with him and and he's taking competitive reps at left guard, is that more valuable? I. Me personally, I'm put the least amount of pressure on him right now. You know what I'm saying? But maybe having to learn his tackle responsibilities and then shift the guard might be something that, you know, might be something that might be a little bit tough. But I, I like what you're saying. I just feel like, to me, I get the game established, feel like, okay, we got this in control, and I might even, like, I might even rotate him at guard. I might even have a situation where Jason Peters plays and then you rotate. I I I don't think there's anything wrong, to be honest with you, with Tyron Smith starting at left tackle and Connor McGovern starting at left guard. Because I feel like that maybe a mental and physical break for Tyler Smith might be okay. You know, I mean sure. he's he's he has kind of carried, I mean, for the first five, six weeks of the season, he carried the weight of having to play left tackle on his shoulders. Now, we were all kind of thinking, well, man, he, he played tackle at Tulsa. I hope he doesn't fall apart. You know, we were, that Giants game was a rough one, and I think it was rough because he didn't have a full week of practice like we talked about. They're a heavy blitz team. You know, maybe with three games and 12 days and, I know he's a young guy and all that, but maybe he you could give him a little bit of a mental and physical break if, in fact, you start Tyron Smith at left tackle, Connor McGovern at left guard, and then and then work Tyler Smith in there how you how you want to work, and then you know that way it gives him kind of a little bit of a it's keeping him it's keeping him fresh because the question I have the question I have is. If something happens to Tyron Smith, who plays left tackle? Jason Ooh, Peters. Um, I would probably once you, if you're going to move Tyler Smith back and you commit to him starting or something, I would probably just roll with Peters at that point. See, that's what I'm saying though. You've won all these games with Tyler Smith playing left tackle. I mean, do you just say, okay, we're going to put Tyler Smith back at at uh, tackle and Peters becomes the swing tackle again? You know, I mean, they've got Ball, who they they like. You know, so I, I don't know. I mean, that's I'm kind of at a, I'm kind of at a little bit of a loss right now. That if something were to happen to Tyron Smith, do you go back to the the original configuration that's won you nine games? If we're going to talk about getting up big with a blowout uh, against Houston and then trying out Jason Peters' tackle, moving Tyler Smith inside, could I interest you in getting really crazy and say play the second half with Connor McGovern at center? Yeah, I mean, I that I have no problem with what you're saying. I, I really don't. I really don't. That you know, that's something. Or or think about what's going on at right guard. You got to kind of take that right guard though too. You know, yeah. you, don't want, you don't want Zach Martin out there playing a bunch of snaps. If, if, in fact, the game is in control. I just don't know if something happens to Tyron Smith, 
how they would play it, you know? And because w- like I said, does, does Tyler Smith, if he doesn't start at guard, you know, is he the swing guard and tackle both? I don't know, but you know, I, I kind of feel like they've moved Peters over there with the thought that if they get in the playoffs and stuff, or not if, but when they do these big games, that having a veteran left tackle might be the route to go. Interesting discussions there. We'll we'll see how I they. Don't, I, no, it's it's good think, stuff. How do you how do you think how do you think they're going to play it? How would you play it? I would play it. I would put Tyler Smith inside at left guard. I I think that he's been. I I don't want to miss. Connor McGovern's been good. I think Tyler Smith gives them an edge that they really needed last year that they miss. And so I'll take a a little bit of a disparity maybe in the play in favor of what I think is a whole lot more nastiness there at left guard. Yeah. So I, that's, I, that's, I, I, say, I don't, I don't know. I, th- to me, it's not like they're getting ready, but even though Tyler Smith has been, I think Tyler Smith's been good over there. I really do. Sure. Yeah. No, I, th- I think Tyler Smith's been really solid. You're listening to the love of the star podcast. The love of the star is an odyssey podcast. You can find it on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. One. What up, y'all? It's your boy, Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Brian, before we jump into our listener mailbag here, I've got to remind everybody once again about our wonderful partner here at Love the Star. It is Boomer Jacks. You feeling a little upset about some of the recent free agent news surrounding this team? You need to go to Boomer Jacks and and get you the wing special because you're going to feel so much better after that. Tuesdays, Boomer Jacks has half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings, but they've got $3 drink specials every day of the week. $15 buckets of beer, and that beer is the coldest beer that you're going to find anywhere in the Metroplex or anywhere else. They also have wall-to-wall TVs, and I know when I say wall-to-wall TVs, you're thinking, oh, they have a lot of TVs. No, I mean they literally have TVs covering just about every space on the wall. It is fantastic. Any game you're looking for, whatever, it's going to be up there somewhere in Boomer Jacks. They also have live music, and it's just a great atmosphere for whatever you're looking for. There are 17 DFW locations, so find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, it is now time for our favorite segment of the show. It is our listener mailbag where we uh, turn things over to our dear listeners for their thoughts, their opinions, their questions uh, to toss over to us. Uh, Who knows? Maybe we'll do six straight Dean Julia questions. Uh, We love you, Dean Julia, or I love you, Brian. Apparently, I think we ought to call this the Dean Julia question section. Perfect. I think we ought to just give give it its name. So let's go to the Dean questions that's that's perfect sponsored by dean julia i think that's i think that's a good segment there brian uh yeah, first thank question you. first question in the dean julia uh love of the star mailbag uh joshua ricker is asking where is washington going to line up gallup and washington on the outside with 88 in the slot not just this game but moving forward towards the playoffs i think that washington's generally an outside guy um, I, I know Gallup can do some stuff in the slot. It would probably be more CD on those reps. Um, but Washington, I, I, I 
don't believe he can play much in the slot. I'd have to look at his his numbers to see how many times he's lined up there. But realistically, I think you're looking at, you know, a Z receiver just, you know, pushing the ball downfield. Absolutely. Totally agree with you. I don't think he's going to play any slot for y'all. I think the thing they figured out with CD Lamb is they've got him, they've got CD playing like old Oklahoma CD Lamb, where run after catch, movement, all that stuff. They've kind of figured out having him on the go. Now, there might be some teams that will travel some guys with him. You know what I'm saying? He's getting that good. You know, probably a top eight receiver right now, playing really, really well. But Washington, I believe, is going to play on the outside. And just, I think you're going to see a lot of vertical routes, like we were saying, at least in this first uh, first couple of games, kind of see if they could get uh, teams to back off from them and create some stuff underneath. Question here from Brandon in the uh, Dean Julia Love of the Star mailbag. Uh, Brandon wants to know, who would be your assistant coach MVP so far this season? That means anybody outside of Mike McCarthy, Dan Quinn, and Kellen Moore. So no head coach, no coordinators. Brian, who is it for you? How about AD? What, what they've been able to Uh-oh. do? Add and dirty, yeah. Add and dirty. I think that to me that would be – you look at how this uh, pass rush has developed. It's talented guys. But, man, they, they get after it. When you look at they, – they four-man rush. Yeah, they had to bring blitz pressure the other day, but they get guys home. The twist stunts have been good. The straight-up rushes has been good. I have to give credit also to Joe Philbin. There were a lot of questions about this offensive line and what the problems or the pitfalls that they potentially can have. But Joe Philbin has done a really, really nice job of, of, of getting this, uh, this group together and making it work the right way. I say you have to give Doug Nussmeyer a lot of credit for this yep. reason alone. They won four out of five games with uh, Cooper Rush playing quarterback. Somebody had to get him ready every week to play. So I, I really, really do like uh, what uh, Nussmeyer's done, what uh, AD's done, and then what Joe Philbin's done. Let me give some love to uh, Lunda Wells, the tight end coach, who has gotten a couple of really young tight ends ready to go and ready there to play contribute at a high level. That, that tight end group has been really impressive. I mean, in general, I think you, you can give credit to just about all the assistant coaches. I think they've all done a lot of really great things. Joe Witt's done some fantastic yeah. Sure has. And so uh, a lot of credit to go around. Next question here from Russell Mabin. Can Zeke and Pollard be the beginning of a new trend to have two starting backs since it's such a violent position? The different styles seem to help each other keep the defense off balance. I will say that w- that wouldn't be totally a new trend. You have, uh, I mean, just can go over the years, uh, you know, Franco Harris and Rocky Blyer, although some people might call Franco more a fullback. Uh, you go up into more the 90s, uh, Napoleon Kaufman and Tyrone Wheatley, uh, you know, recent history, Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. So teams have definitely done it. I do think the Cowboys are much, um, you know, I've heard along those lines. Um, and so I do think that you absolutely see the Cowboys taking that perspective of let, let's run with two running backs. Let's not just have a bell cow anymore. I think you can definitely see the coaching staff and the personnel department has shifted their philosophy on that here in Dallas. You Every time you could give me 27 carries for 162 yards and three touchdowns, I'm going to take it. Give me two backs. Give me, as you put their names, uh, feed and speed. You know, I, yeah, I, to- I, totally, I totally get what's going on with these backs. I think the days of having the one back is – you know, we might we start might start to see that uh, that go away. Like uh, this, 
this uh, this team has a great history. Uh, they've had a history of two backs. If you go back to Dwayne Thomas and Calvin Hill, have you know they've they've had backs that have you know shared opportunities here. I just think this team, its offense works better. It works better with the two backs that they have than just say having the one. Next question here from uh, Colin. He says, how did the Cowboys match up now against the Eagles? Eagles have added run stoppers and a premier pass rusher since the Cowboys last saw them. Um, if you mean the premier pass rusher is Robert Quinn, Robert Quinn uh, just recently uh, landed on the, I believe, the injured reserve. He's going to be he out is. for a while. Yeah, they did in Kong Sue. They did have N'Kobe Dean finally take the field recently. N'Kobe yeah. Dean, last game, I believe it was, got in there in the middle of the third quarter, Brian, and he ended up leading the team in tackles. After starting the game in the middle of the third quarter, I, I, know I don't you- know why. I don't know why people wouldn't draft this kid. Seriously, I, 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 every every time you watch Georgia tape last year, he was making every single tackle. I, I don't know. I mean, I get it. He's short and all that, but my God, the all the guy does is run to the ball and make plays. There were some knee questions too. We found out about on draft day. There was like, okay, are there some medical flags? He wasn't the fastest guy, but you just see the instincts. He's been a very good player for them. But on that topic of how do they stack up against the Eagles? I personally believe they stack up pretty well. I, I think I think Dallas, now that they have their starting quarterback, I think Dallas absolutely could beat the Eagles, you know, coming up here on Christmas Eve. And then if they had to play them in the playoffs, I'd feel pretty good about Dallas's chances to do it again. I think their secondary is better than your secondary. I do too. Yeah. So I mean, if they could take your receivers away, can you take their receivers away? They they, you know, they last week. Philadelphia, they really couldn't run the ball. They did it for 350-something yards, right? The week before, they ran it for like 350. That's a tough team. That's a tough team. I kind of feel like your pass rush is better than theirs. Their offensive line, probably better than yours. You know, if you just look at it overall, you could run block. They could run block. You could pass block. They could pass block. Uh, I think your pass rush is a little bit better. I think the biggest difference right now is their quarterback's not turning the ball over. You got your quarterback back. But I think their secondary with now with Kelvin Joseph starting uh, and some of the questions, you've lost the starting corner and you've lost the starting nickel slot player. You know, they, they, they have it. That's, I think, where this thing is different right now. Absolutely. That's, that's probably fair. A question here from Park Ave's Finest. Hey, guys, big fan behind enemy lines here in Philly. Hope you could speak to the second half adjustments made and how much credit is there for the better second half play. I'll I'll say this. Thank you, Park Ave's Finest, by the way, for listening uh, out there in Philly. Uh, we appreciate that. That that's uh, you know, uh, you're 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 deep in the trenches there in the NFC East uh, beast. But I, I'll say this, um, and you'll hear coaches talk about this sometimes. I, I remember Kellen Moore made this point a couple of years ago. When it comes to second half adjustments, he's like, second half adjustments are kind of overrated. You have about enough time to to go to the bathroom and then go like go get them, boys. Um, there, there, there's not a whole lot you can do now. If you want to talk about, you know, some extended halftime, sure, like the Super Bowl, maybe um, even Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is about twice as long a halftime, and they came out. They looked like they had made adjustments when they came out against uh, the Giants. So, you know, yeah, maybe you have some time to breathe and, and think about some things. But overall. Um, I, I don't know that second half adjustments are more to play as much as maybe they get into there at halftime and they kind of realize, like maybe they get a, a, a just a pep talk of like, 
guys, come on. Like, let's wake up. Like, maybe there's just some motivating factor. But X's and O's and, and strategic things, I don't know how much uh, you, you have the ability to do there at halftime, Brian. What are the quality control coaches for the offense and what comes down for the defense? And they kind of have an idea. They put up on the grease board like five things that they might look at in the second half. So that's in there. All right, gather around, gather around. Boom, 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 boom. That's the five things we're going to look at right there. And then you make your adjustments and you break up in little groups and talk about what's going on from there. Uh, you're absolutely right. I think where the Cowboys shine is when chance to sit on the sidelines with those pads and the communication from upstairs, downstairs, I think is where the Cowboys really, really shine. The adjustments that, that, uh, that they're able to make, whether it's, it, whether it's uh, Dan Quinn talking to uh, George Edwards downstairs, I think that's, you know, I think that's kind of where this is all at right now. You know, that's the, the ability to sit down, look at the pads and say, all right, guys, this is what we did or we need to do in this next drive. And the Cowboy offense has done a pretty good job of putting up points and also allowing their defense to sit over on the side and kind of get rest and then be able to start. Now we're going to do this. Now we're going to do this now. But to be honest with you, those halftime adjustments, it's really about four to things that are put on a grease board. And it's like, this is what we see. We're seeing a lot of this coverage. We're doing this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And we're going to do this. And you're just ready. You know that, okay, these are the coaches' adjustments. When you hear that call for that particular, what they think is going to be uh, that defense or, or you know, then or that offense, that's, that's you understand that. It's, it, it's, it, it, it's not a long time, but you can do some good uh, in locker rooms I've seen from uh, Super Bowl winning coaches that have been able to adjust uh, that way. That does it for us here on this episode of The Love of the Star. Thank you so much uh, to all of you who uh, submitted questions into our Dean Julia Love of the Star mailbag. Uh, we, we will get to your questions again some more early next week. Brian, uh, you got a quick uh, score prediction. I got Cowboys 42-17. I think they beat the brakes off the Texans. I went Cowboys 28 and the Texans 9 is what I did. Ooh, I've got a 20-point spread bet, a show bet, Brian. You've got them beating them by 19. That would crush me. Uh, gosh, I, I, really I knew you. That. I knew I knew you had that, so I was kind of hoping you, you would lose. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you too. Uh, for Brian Broadus, I'm Bobby Belt. Uh, hopefully, Peyton Russell recorded this thing. I don't know. We'll get back to the beginning and and check it out. Uh, until next week, we'll talk to you guys later.